0: Hindsight is 2020. Chapter 4, Part 1. About a year and a half before the coffin of my nuptials got nailed, Hubby and I booked a long weekend getaway in the Rockies over the 4th of July. It was an enjoyable time for the most part. We went to one of the local zoos, which had become an out-of-town tradition by this point. Otherwise, we went to a few different attractions. There was this train excursion through the mountains that ended with a tour of some old silver mines. Toward the end of it, there was a pit stop where we got to try our hands at panning for gold. He was very successful at picking up the skill, almost right away. I, on the other hand, was not. One day, we went on an outing to see the mountains. We just drove for miles and miles. We stopped to enjoy a coffee at the onset of that morning the scenery from the bench at the coffee shop was breathtaking. It was quiet and serene at that hour. The sun had just risen in the sky, and even though it was summer, there was still a slight chill to the air. On our scenic drive, we ended up visiting Buffalo Bill's resting place. There's a significant uphill trek to get there from the parking area for the attraction. I seriously thought I was going to deplete my lungs, and not get in enough oxygen to make it, but I was determined to get there anyway. Panting and struggling to breathe, we made it. Mind you, I was still smoking when we made this trip, and the air was thin to boot. In retrospect, I would say the decision to climb that mountain was questionable at best. Did I mention that I can be pretty dumb and stubborn? Because I sure can. The things we did for entertainment on this adjournment were very pleasurable activities for the most part. What turned the whole thing into a daunting task were the car rides to and from all of our assorted destinations. Every time we got into the rental to explore somewhere new, a fight ensued over unexpressed expectations. I'll elaborate. As we were in previously unexplored territory, we used a GPS for most, if not all, of our navigational needs. Then he would ask me what lane he needed to be in for any upcoming turns. And if the GPS didn't have the answer, I didn't have it either. Now's the time where you can insert raised voices and unnecessary shouting. And this wasn't the first time this happened either. Something along these lines occurred every time, if not almost every time, we went out of town. Since I couldn't manufacture directional context clues in an unfamiliar landscape... This became a consistent area for growing contention. On the day we were scheduled to leave, we walked to the nearby train station and passed the time by walking, watching a local all-female trio perform World War II-era songs, done in a pin style of attire. This show took place right in the middle of the station, and we were also people-watching in tandem as we waited for time to go by. The plan was to take the Amtrak home. This was the first and only time I got to ride in a sleeper car. I rode the rails a few times, but never spent the money for anything aside from coach seating. This was an interesting experience. They served dinner on a dining car that night after we boarded. And breakfast was served in there the following morning, too. It wasn't too shabby, all things considered. I barely slept on the journey home. I don't know why, but there's something about train rides that gives me a bout of sleeplessness. It's been like this any time I've used this method of travel. It had been a long time since I had taken the train at this point, but in my teens it was once a common occurrence. Two new challenges arose in the wake of this adventure. I returned to work with what I call a new old boss and some unanticipated health issues. I say this because we had worked together previously but had been in separate areas of responsibility for the last few years. At first, I thought I had jet lag from the train travel, which was normal for the first few days after a long train trip. Aside from my growing concern about my sense of balance, or lack thereof, one night before I went back to work, I had some inexplicable, excruciating pain in or around one of my kidneys. In hindsight, I think it may have been a side effect of some dietary changes. My husband ended up getting pretty upset with me in those moments for not doing something or other. Making dinner... Maybe. I stayed on the couch instead, waiting for it to subside. In the days that followed our arrival home, every time I got up to do something, I felt like I was still walking on that moving train. For the most part, I've always been a pretty physically active person. Being unable to get up and move in any capacity without being overwhelmed by motion sickness was crushing. After a visit to my doctor... I was told that both of my eustachian tubes were fully clogged. Apparently this can be a cause of vertigo. Who knew? I was given steroids to help reduce inflammation. The goal was if they weren't as swollen, the blockages may have an easier time draining on their own. To help this along, I started taking allergy medications and quit smoking. Cold turkey. This was after 20 some odd years. Mind you, I enjoyed smoking and I still love the smell of tobacco. But at this point, I was willing to do anything to make this go away. Literally, anything. I was beyond frustrated trying to lead my team, train my boss, and run my household in this state. I'm sure my newfound freedom from cigarettes didn't exactly do me any favors in the anguish department either. I figured out that I could make dinner on the stovetop with a stool and that I couldn't function in my role at work with those limitations. So I would go full force toward the tasks at hand in short bursts. This was preceded by taking breaks to allow my sense of balance to return. This helped me center long enough to quiet my spinning head and continue making progress despite my obstacles. It wasn't until I experienced disequilibrium on a ladder that I legitimately slowed down. I don't think I adequately conveyed how defeated I felt in those moments. I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but I'm one of those self-sufficient assholes. You know the type. The one who refuses help when offered and can't get over the idea that needing others is a sign of weakness or inferiority. I'm working to let go of this character flaw in the present. I wasn't yet aware of how problematic and isolating this tendency was when all this went down. That translated into extreme bouts of helplessness that I didn't know what to do with. I ended up getting a second prescription steroid pack after I finished the first. This, coupled with the other changes I made, helped me finally clear up the issue. Outside of the challenge I faced holding the hand of a former mentor throughout the end of her career, the rest of that year was relatively uneventful. Let me take that back. I also got another new boss although she was higher up in the food chain. I have a lot of respect for her. She has a knack for being able to maintain grace under fire. She's transferring to another station soon, and I really hope our career crossed paths again. After my immediate supervisor retired, I got the opportunity to take on that role for a few months. It was a very crucial time for the person in that position. Everything went well at work during that time. Outside of my professional life, Word was spreading about a new virus developing overseas. Memes started to circulate about it, but it didn't seem to be that serious in those moments. One Saturday afternoon in January, I received a message from my oldest brother. This was right after I got in the door from a tattoo appointment. He asked if I was at home, and I sensed something ominous in the context of the question alone. I would describe the relationship I have with my siblings as being close for being distant. When we get together, it's as though we're picking up where we left off. But none of us are particularly adept at making effort to maintain frequent, consistent communication. I'm trying to be better, though. I was half expecting him to call to notify me that our mom was found dead in her house. As terrible as that sounds, that might have been an easier phone call to accept than the one that I got. He called almost immediately following my response. According to what he said, he wanted to make contact before any news started to gain traction circulating on social media. One of his three sons had passed away in the early hours of that morning. I didn't push for any additional details during that conversation. It felt like the wrong time to ask about those things. I had no desire to rub any kind of salt in a wound that fresh, intentionally or otherwise. So I kept my curiosity to myself and operated under the assumption that he was a victim of his metabolic disorder. Let me backtrack and give a little history. I don't have children. I have an array of nieces and nephews from my siblings and assorted close friends. When I was younger and hanging out with people that had kids, my standard modus operandi was to go play with the kid or kids if it was a group setting. I've also accumulated an assortment of work kids I feel somehow obligated to. I periodically will refer to my department as the Island of Misfit Toys, as I feel like I have a staff of uniquely broken or damaged individuals. These are my people. Of all the things that have come and gone in my life, I felt and still feel most connected to this particular brother's brood. I spent a considerable amount of time around them when they were younger, and I even gave them my Lego collection. My heart ached tremendously in those moments, To date, it's one of the more difficult losses I've experienced. I can't even begin to understand how devastated my brother and sister-in-law felt and still feel about the whole thing. I returned to work the next day and got the team ready for my upcoming absence. I went in early in the morning and stayed late into the night on the final days before we made the trip south. On one hand, I was exhausted. On the other, having a monumental task to focus on gave me an escape in what was otherwise a catastrophic time. We allowed my mother to ride down with us, so long as she made the trip to our house by the time on Target for leaving. So, she accompanied us on a 13-hour car ride to attend the services. Here's a pertinent tidbit of information. My mother has a history of flaking on functions. This has been an ongoing thing since long before I got married, at least from my experiences. I haven't compared notes that thoroughly with my siblings and their timelines, but there's always an excuse of some kind. My husband got too drunk to drive. I don't have a house sitter. I don't trust the house sitter. I have anxiety. I'm spending time with your siblings. You get the idea. This is something I'm coming to terms with. In my current state, my chosen course of action is not to engage in any contact. I find it easier to heal wounds if they don't get reopened on a consistent basis. Until I can process and understand the behavior patterns involved in our relationship, I can't maintain an advantageous connection with her. Unfortunately, I'm not in a place to entertain unhealthy or disingenuous relationships anymore. We stopped for the night about midway through the journey. It wasn't too terribly unpleasant, all things considered. The biggest challenge was my mother. Her husband passed away some years back, so she's become relatively isolated outside of engaging in lackluster relationships with her neighbors. Ever since, she's gotten into this habit of rambling incessantly when she's around family. It might be with other people too. I don't know. I'm guessing this stems from the lack of human contact. I find the quiet soothing myself, but she doesn't seem to. When it comes to her relationships, she comes across as extremely oblivious to others. What's ironic is my father has the same trait. They express it differently though, but he wasn't riding in the car with us, so it's unimportant in this part of the story. I don't recall if we arrived in the afternoon or in the evening, but we got checked into our hotel, then we made our way to my brother's house to spend time with the family that had arrived. My brother and sister-in-law welcomed us and expressed their gratitude for bringing mom along for the ride. My mom hasn't made many strides to improve this tendency to overpromise and under-deliver, when it comes to attending any functions outside of her perceived comfort zone. We definitely took one for the team to ensure her attendance for this one. As much of a nuisance as both my parents can be, the task at hand was to be there in support of my brother and his family, and to pay our respects to this young life that was cut short too soon. We ended up watching a photo montage of my nephew in assorted comedic states and poses. He had an astounding sense of humor always acting out, aiming to get laughs from his target audience. There was also an assortment of videos played, too. There were a few things from all this that still stand out. One of them was a comical chair dance that involved some kind of bump and grind. There was one where it looked like he had a little dribble on his shorts. He seemed kind of lit in that one, so he may very well have had a minor accident. The last might be inappropriate for most audiences, so... I won't be talking about it here.